Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to our Tech Radio show for this week with all the ladies from tech around Ireland and around the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using our favourite podcast app on your smartphone or indeed listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. On the show this week, it's a it's a kind of a drones special. All these kind of unmanned aircraft that people are flying around in, in parks and attaching their cameras to and taking uh, amazing pictures. Where are we with this thing? You know, kind of. It's, a, it's a, once I started talking, digging into this, it became a bit of a, a fascinating area of gadgetry. Really, you know, do you need a license? Well, you know, uh, the USA is trying to ban them. I mean, what Ireland's trying to do with them is just like, ah, uh, couldn't believe it when I found out. Uh, then I also spoke to a guy who's uh, operating drones commercially. Why would you operate a drone commercially? We're going to find out on the show today. And also, some of his ideas, they're not ideas. They were actually kind of things that I thought were flights of fancy. Get it? Um, he thinks are actually things that are going to happen in the next year or two with drones and unmanned aircraft. Fascinating show, all set ahead for you. But first, the kind of guy who sparked it off really is a good friend of mine called Sean. And he is a real gadget guy and he's on the phone at the moment joining us um, because he bought a drone recently. And this is kind of how it all started. So, Sean, can, can I start off by asking you, what did you know about drones before you got into it? Yeah, sure. So basically, um, to be honest, very little. Um Literally started back at uh, Christmas just gone, uh, and I suppose I have, to, I have to thank my boss at work, Joe King, for, I suppose, starting it all off, because for uh, a little kind of Christmas present at work, he gave us these little uh, SEMA um, X5C, um, tiny little kind of 30 euro, tiny little uh, quadcopters, and uh, we, we all, we all got, got them in work, and that's how it kind of started, and it was literally just... I'm trying to kind of a toy, a tiny little toy, um, to kind of getting into it, and uh, I suppose you know, uh, always knew there was kind of um, re- remote controlled uh, copters and all that sort of stuff. Was never really into it until I got my hands on this tiny little toy. Now, tell me about the the tiny little toy because I've played around with those things before, and I can never fly <laughs> the darn things. <laughs> Did you did you have sure. the same problem, or were you pretty good at it? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and exactly. They're, and they're they're re, you know they're 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 a great a great way to kind of I suppose understand you know the 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 kind of theory behind um, quadcopters. But yes, you know they're 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 totally more, more of a toy and. You know, keeping them in the air for more than ten seconds is uh, it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've gone through this, you've played with it, you've had some fun keeping up in the air is a bit. Uh, now you decide to d- drop some, well, relatively heavy dough, shall we say, on getting a you know a fairly decent kind of a drone. So where did you go? How did you go into finding out about this? Yeah, so basically, so I, um, after playing around with 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 with, with the little um, thirty euro quads for about you know several weeks. And literally during that time, um, kind of researching the absolute um, ass out of the whole kind of um, idea, um, reading lots of forums, lot, you know, watching lots of YouTube videos, and kind of going, will I, won't I, will I, won't I? And, you know, um, looking at all the, there's a huge amount of um, uh, quadcopters out there, uh, from the very cheap ones right up to the, to the kind of the um, pro domestic level. 
and then you've got the pro pro level um, uh, used as well. So it was literally kind of after two or three months of kind of you know researching into it, um, kind of finding out that the um, the, the the kind of leading manufacturer that you know um, was DJI, a Chinese company, um, and they do several kind of hobby um, quadcopters. Um, and um, basically uh, starting off the Phantom 1, Phantom 2, and uh, they subsequently released the Phantom 3. So it was kind of, um, it was a decision I kind of made the, uh, of going with the kind of the medium one in the sense of getting the Phantom 2 with the gimbal and uh, by the GoPro as well. Uh, it's like that research and um, the DJI do a Phantom 2 Plus Vision, which comes uh, integrated with its own gimbal and camera. Mm. Um, but kind of, I suppose, uh, me being hugely into gadgets, I kind of wanted the best of the best at the time. So I went and got the P2, the Phantom 2, with the gimbal and went out and, and also then paid another small fortune for uh, the brand new GoPro Hero 4. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have these things, Sean. You can't take them to heaven with you. you got to buy them this now. Is it. This is it. Absolutely. <laughs> so listen, tell me, I mean, the GoPro, we've, we've all uh, unboxed, but when one of these drones arrives at the house or at the office or whatever, and you unbox it, it's, do you have to assemble it? Is, is it just ready to go out of the box? What's the story? Yeah, so basically, um, the great thing about the, the DJI range, um, it's basically ready to fly out of the box. Um, albeit, um, I wouldn't recommend anyone just going, getting one, and just sticking it up in the air. There is a quite, there is quite a lot of research you should actually do before kind of um, sticking it up in the air because um, there's a whole kind of startup procedure um, which you have to adhere to, and you also need need, need, need to know the um, kind of rules and regulations of you know flying in different areas. Um, and, you know, kind of privacy and safety, health and safety as well, you know, about flying these things. So because I had done a huge amount of research, um, and like that, reading the manual several times over before even, even getting the uh, unit, uh, I kind of knew that, you know, um, unboxing it, I was able to literally go straight out to a field. I kind of knew exactly what, you know, what, what needed to be done, um, you know, to get it up in the air, you know, so... So you got it up, you're flying away, you can obviously see it because it's in front of you or whatever, and you know that it's not crashing or anything like that. Did you attach a camera to it? Yeah, so the the, the particular one um, that, that I purchased was the P2 with, um, with a, with a uh, 3D gimbal and then the GoPro. And what I also um, got in, incorporated as well in it is a video downlink and a small 7 screen which attaches to the controller, which is... Like I, I, I would, in personal opinion, is, is a must because it's great to be able to see what the copter is seeing, uh, both for photography, for kind of framing your shots, but also for kind of knowing your orientation, knowing exactly where you are, um, sort of thing. So yeah, I was able to see, I you know, put it up in the air. I was able able to instantly see on 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 the downlink screen the actual picture, but also more importantly, telemetry information which uh, the copter is giving back like how many satellites it's locked on to, um, its, uh, its, its battery level, um, how, how high it is in the air, what distance it, it is away from you. So all this kind of uh, very useful telemetry information comes up on the screen and kind of is, 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 is a necessity for kind of, you know, safe flying. All I can think of is that that must be a pretty cool feeling to be doing that, for, especially for the first time. It is, yeah, absolutely. I would, I was, I was, blown away by it and, and you know it was uh, you know 
the, the very first time uh, I went out with it now, I was, even though I, I researched it hugely, uh, watched a zillion YouTube videos, read and not read foreign manuals back to back. I was still quite nervous, you know, just even uh, getting it up there because it, it, it's a powerful unit and you don't actually, you're kind of, you're nervous kind of, you know, putting your investment up in the air, you know, is it going to just come flying back out? Is it going to, you know, come down on somebody? Uh, uh, so, and, you know, the, the first few flights, uh, I kept it quite low, you know, kind of going up um, 15, 20 meters in the air. I just practicing, you know, going back forward, you know, kind of uh, doing kind of squares and, um, and really, just 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 getting um, uh, getting used to it because mm. one of the huge things um, with with flying a quadcopter is that it's absolutely fine um, if you have the orientation. So if the back of the copter is facing you, it's absolutely fine. But if, if you're up in the air and any it's out any sort of distance, and you you're you're rotating the copter around, it's very easy to lose your orientation. So um, your left and your right and your forward and back be, uh, can become completely disorientated. So unless you know your orientation, um, you can be you you, you, you might think that you're, you're you're throttling forward and it's actually uh, it's, it's actually coming back or you know it's going left and the left is right and right is left depending on its orientation. So they're all things you kind of have to uh, be aware of. Let me uh, let me ask you you know kind of you know buying one of these things and you know kind of convincing yourself that you need one when we both know you don't. <laughs> now that you've well, had it I, now, I, now you've had it Sean alright and, and you've been yeah. in the park and you've had a bit of crack and you, you know you've got a fair idea how to use it and you've probably used it for one or two little things that you wanted to do um, sure now it's kind of sitting there and it's just it's part of uh, part of your stuff are, are you going to use it again is, is, is the thrill over is the love affair gone not, yeah absolutely not, not, not at all and I, you know, I think anyone, or anyone that, that kind of knows I'm, I'm a complete gadget freak so kind of any gadgets that come out or you know the, the best of the best of gadgets I'm kind of one of these that you know has to get out there and get it but uh, unlike other gadgets I bought where you, you, you get it, you use it, you get your thrill out of it, and then it's kind of hidden away. And you're kind of going, all right, grand. Uh, no, I've been absolutely out with this so many times. Um, just even for, from, from the fun factor of, of flying it, but also on, on the kind of serious um, side of it, I'm kind of learning about how it all works, you know, trying out all the different features it's got, but also from an aerial photography point of view as well. Um, Seeing seeing things in a completely different way that you would never see unless you're up at those sort of heights, you know, um, gives you a completely different um, perspective on, on on what's out there, you know. So uh, no, I've asked, you know I've been been out many a time with it since, you know, even on the weekends. That obviously uh, the only thing about the, about the quadcopters is Ireland's not a great country to be flying them in with the weather because uh, they don't fly in rain. Um, and um, they can handle up to about 30 kilometer winds. So on a gusty, windy day, it's a no-no for flying. So uh, you are limited to, to when you can go out and fly these things. All right, but def- definitely well worth a, worth, worth a crack anyway. Well, listen, I, I wish you uh, uh, many good times, and uh, next time you're over uh, my part of the city, bring bring the old uh, copter. <laughs> well, indeed. Yeah, like, so I can, get a, I can get a photo of our place from the air. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely good on you Sean thank you not a bother this is Tech Central your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie
Now, with any new hobby or profession that comes along, it does take the legislators and the government a little bit of while to catch up with it and to come in with some sensible rules and regulations because everybody wants to play safe and everybody wants to protect their investment. So what is happening on drones? Well, I spoke to Captain Julie Garland, who is the chairperson of the Unmanned Aircraft Association of Ireland, which is a new association working with the IAA, the Irish Aviation Authority. And I asked her to tell me a little bit more about her association. Sure. it's um, We set up the Unmanned Aircraft Association of Ireland and really what that's doing is it is um, a representative body for mainly commercial operators um, and the reason for that is is that we figure that if we represent the commercial operators, we make sure that this is not an over-regulated industry, that that falls down then to also ensuring that hobbyists are as free to operate as possible. Uh, so our main concern is, is getting the, the, the regulations in place that keep everybody safe, but also that don't limit the operation of drones. Now, some of them uh, were on display at Western Airport. There was kind of a, a meet the drones day. What, what kind of That's aircraft were, were being shown? Um, there was um, there was a, a, a great variety we had. Uh, mainly they were octocopters that were being operated, which means they have eight rotors, either six, uh, some hexacopters, which are six rotors, and some octocopters. So generally they were... Um, kind of the weight categories would have been between kind of 7 to 10 kilos. I think the largest one that was there was about 12 kilos in weight. Um, and they are the kind of, of, of drones that would be used in commercial operations. These aren't the kind of things that a hobbyist is going to go out and fly around in his back garden. And that was the idea, was to show the, the wide range. So we had some phantoms there, and, um, and well, we didn't have the solar there, unfortunately, but we have that now. And it was really to show the, the total range. So you go from the, the very entry-level market, um, which is kind of the around something in or around one to two kilos up to these much larger drones, which generally the commercial operators are using. You know, uh, safety, obviously a lot of the legislation is put in place because of safety, but a lot of legislation al- also comes in after something has been invented. You know what I mean? Like because uh, dro- dro- drones are really only starting to, to take off, pun intended, uh, at the moment. And I suppose it's going to take the legislators a while to catch up. I mean, they're really trying to catch up in, in the US with what's going on with drones. How far behind are we with you know, regulations and legislation here in Ireland? We're, we're way ahead. Um, we're actually very, very, we're very progressive in what we're doing. We have, we have a rockets and small aircraft order, which was actually written in, in 2000. So although it's not necessarily exactly fit for purpose, it does govern probably 80% of what's out there. And that's what we're rewriting at the moment is to make sure that it comes up, that it covers 100% of drones that are out there. And then there's also an operations advisory memorandum that's been published by the Aviation Authority that lists what the can and can't, what you can and can't do. And that prescribes you don't fly your drone above 400 feet, you don't, you don't fly within 150 metres. So we have all of this and we have it all down, we have it in writing. Um, and, it, and it's there, it's published on the Irish Aviation Authority's website. So we're actually way ahead. Um, because we do have this and what we've done is we've been prescriptive we've allowed people to go and operate their drones rather than try to restrict them in the US they banned them and they said you can't operate a drone unless you get an exemption from this ban whereas here we say you can operate your drone in uncontrolled airspace in uncongested areas and if you want to operate in controlled airspace or in congested areas then you have to go and do some form of training so the IA have been very, very prescriptive on what they allow people to do and not do. So we're way ahead. Julie, I know that you work in aviation elsewhere and, and you're speaking to us from an airfield at the moment. The signal uh, is not so great on the, uh, on the mobile phone. But I just wanted to uh, wrap up by asking you, if people do want to kind of find out more about drones and what licenses they need, where are the one or two best places to look at online? 
Sure, the IA's website, IA.ie, is um, is probably the, one of the first ports of call, and they can also look on our website, which is the UAA.ie, and that lists where there's training schools available, what training is prescribed, and um, and all of the different member member associations of the Unmanned Aircraft Association of Ireland. So UAA.ie. U-A-A-I.ie. Judy Garland, uh, chairperson of the Unmanned Aircraft Association of Ireland. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Dusty. Thanks. Bye now. So we've heard from somebody who's playing around with drones and using it as a, a fairly serious hobby, it has to be said, to the regulatory side of it there with Julie. And it's great to see that Ireland is pretty much on game and leading the world in the area. And that kind of leads things into the ability to use drones in a commercial capacity. And I was very interested to talk to Ushin Green, who runs uh, Green Aviation down in Offaly, because he's one of the biggest operators in the country. And I, as we all did, had kind of ideas. Oh, you could use it for this, this and this. But when he told me what he's actually using it for, it blew my mind. I started off the interview by asking him to describe the size of the kind of drone that he would use in a commercial sense. Okay, the one in Mount Lucas that we used from Flying Cam was an electric one, has an endurance of about 35 minutes, 30-35 minutes, and it um, would carry up to, uh, I think it was about 12 kilos in weight in terms of camera systems. So that day we flew with 27 kilos max takeoff weight. So that would have been the heaviest drone ever flown in Ireland at the time. But we are looking at bigger systems. Um, we are looking at using one from Switzerland called the R350. It's from UMS Group, and that's uh, 150 kilos max takeoff weight. Um, or sorry, actually, it, it's 250 kilos max takeoff weight, which is the the heaviest drone that you can fly in under national rules. Um, so th- that would be about the biggest one that we're looking and at. So the, what kind of size then would that be, Yoshin? Would it be a number of feet or a metres or long? It, or It would be a couple of metres. It's about, it, it has a parachute system on board. So it's about, f- about five feet high. And it's about two metres long, two and a half metres long. Uh, thereabouts. So it's quite a substantial piece of equipment and it would have an endurance or a flight time of about five hours, five and a half hours. And on basic telemetry, you can fly out to about 120 kilometers. So it's quite a substantial piece of kit. That's a very, in my head, I'm thinking it's maybe the size of a, a big motorcycle or something like that. Um, it wouldn't be far off. Yeah, maybe, all right. So know, it's that it's kind of thing. Of yeah, yeah. It's, it, 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 it's no toy anyway. That's, that's that's for sure. Tell me about then the practicalities then of of flying this. It's the ones we would use are looking to use. They would generally be in the back of a van. You would have a ground control station built into a van uh, where you would have all your, your, your telemetry displayed, your sensors and your controls. Mm. The, the bigger ones will okay while they will have a handheld remote control as a redundancy generally they will fully fly on autopilot so you're you're essentially sitting there with your laptop a, a map on it and point and click telling the drone where you want it to go as opposed to handling the controls and, and, and physically controlling it into a certain direction or a certain area so it's all done by autopilot and the reason why we're doing that is because the, the experience of, of the big militaries around the world that have been using these drones for decades have found that um, the majority of their crashes happen when a pilot takes over because there is a lag there's a slight redundancy in the time that you you input a control 
into your handheld controls and the aircraft reacts if you're working at a long distance. Mm. Uh, that's not sufficient for real-time control. You know, at, at short distances, you know, maybe five, six hundred meters, it's fine, works perfectly well, uh, but it doesn't work well on, on the much longer ranges. So that's where autopilot comes in, and it works far better. Now, um, I, let me just ask you then, what kind of companies would employ you to fly? The, or no, actually, before that, you say that you have sensors on the uh, on the drones. So are you talking about cameras and lasers and measuring equipment? And what, what kind of stuff would you have hanging out at the all, bottom of one of those? All of the above. All of the above. All <laughs> right. Okay. They all would be flown at the same time because there's obviously limitations in terms of payload and weight hmm. that you can carry. But... Um, so, for example, for engineering companies that might be doing infrastructural projects, building roads, building railways, bridges, whatever the case may be, or stadia, they may use a laser scanner. So you might just put the laser scanner on it for that particular job. For other jobs, uh, for example, for crop surveying, forest surveying, you might put on multispectral cameras with high-definition 5K cameras on board um, because that will give you the, the information you need to ascertain the health of the crops that you're surveying. Uh, in other areas, you might put on thermal imaging if, for example, you're doing search and rescue or search and recovery operations uh, or, or looking for missing people in, in uh, the, the wild outback, shall we say. Um, so it literally depends on the mission uh, or the job that you're undertaking. That will dictate what sensor you put on board. Now, one of the things that you do is precision ag- agriculture. One of the things you help with, I should say, is precision mm. agriculture. And... Um, that's kind of like, to me, it's like, what exactly are we talking about when you're talking about thermal imaging and lasers and precision agriculture mm. and, and drones that can fly 100 kilometers away and come back again? Mm. What, what, what is all this about? Well, the precision agriculture side would use multispectral and hyperspectral cameras. And what they allow you to do is measure the, if you like, the water content on a very basic level. You can measure the water content in the crop or the leaves or the trees. And by by putting that imagery through a software package, um, it will come out and, and, and tell you basically the health of your crops. So if you have, you know, maybe several hundred acres of whatever crop you're growing and a, and a, a corner of it isn't growing so well or it's dehydrated or you, you pick up that there's something wrong in that corner of the field, you can take immediate action on that. Um, and, and the cameras allow you... Uh, to ascertain the health of the crop even before you can see it with the naked eye. So it's very much, it can be very much used for preventative medicine, if you like, on, on, on the crops or preventative action. Uh, all the people who would use you would be uh, utility companies as well. What, what kind of utilities would use you and what do you do for them? Um, okay, so for example, uh, we're, we're working with ESB International uh, at the minute on a, on a partnership project whereby For example, they have 18 wind farms under their management and their control. And they would use us to inspect those wind farms. So in Mount Lucas, uh, it was a Bordemona wind farm, and they had 28 wind turbines. And we did an inspection on a rotating wind turbine and one that was completely shut down for us. So we would use the drones to inspect the wind turbines. So for for ESB International, they think it could be a game changer for them because at the minute – you have to have rope access crews come in. They shut the turbine down. It could be for a whole day. It could be for a few days, mm. uh, depending on the, on, on the various conditions. And they literally abseil down each blade. 
uh, inspecting it and rotating it around and go down the other blade and, and, and so on. So that takes time and effort, but there's no digital record kept as to the, the, the state of the entire turbine. Um, so, for example, in six months' time, if they go out and do a survey again, they can't check the records and check the entire turbine and see how it looks or how it has changed over that period of time. So that's where ESB International are, are very much interested in using this type of technology. But it's not only in wind turbines. It's on, on uh, power networks, mm. uh, uh, high-voltage high, uh, cables running across every country in the developed world. It's a, it's a real eye opener because as I've, I've been saying, you know, the only thing I know about drones is either the ones that you would you would buy and you play around with for for fun yourself, uh, or mm. the ones that you see on the news, which are you know yeah. big countries spying on other countries and what have you. And all of these applications that you're saying, it's like ah ah oh yeah. Yeah, ah ah, and I have always poo pooed and thought, said that it's absolutely ridiculous. All of these ideas that we're hearing from Amazon about home delivery with drones. Yeah. And I'm wondering for somebody like yourself who's getting very practical use out of these things, do you yeah. think that will ever actually happen? Yes. You really do? And looks like, yes. In fact, I, I would go even further. Uh, as I mentioned to you before, we, 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 or, or when, when you first called, that I used to fly commercially 737s and in mm. air contractors, I used to fly freight mm. uh, as well as passenger aircraft. So freight aircraft are, are begging for something like this. Um, you know, they fly at night. It's very quiet airspace. It makes perfect sense to have drones flying cargo on any scale, either small packages or in 737 size uh, drones. I mean, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. Now, considering the amount of automation that there is in aircraft these days, and the autopilot does a fantastic job and it's very, very reliable, do you think we're ever going to get to a day where we have like a 777 cargo plane uh, flying across the Pacific unmanned? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, literally, it's literally only a matter of time um, because it comes down to uh, you know you, the cost savings. Mm. For everybody involved, if you're sending 777 transatlantic, chances are you might have two sets of crew on board. Then you've got hotel accommodation down the far end. You've got your rest periods. You've got your downtime. Everything like that that's involved. Um, you know, the, the, the best example to give of continuous operations, you know, very much like freighting, you know, the American military use uh, the Predator drones in, in various places around the world. Um, but generally they're controlled from an airbase that might be down in Texas or something like that. And the cr- crews just rotate every eight hours or whatever may, the case may be, but the aircraft is still flying. So you're getting the maximum use out of your airframe while still maintaining crew health in terms of aviation regulations. So it makes perfect sense to do it. It's one of the things I love about presenting this program because quite often you'll see things on television and you go, ah, yeah, 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 whatever. And then suddenly you discover it's happening. Yes, very <laughs> much so. And I, I give you an example of it. Um, Piaggio, which is, uh, they make um, various types of aircraft and, and scooters and bits and bobs, but they have uh, an aircraft called the Avanti. And it was originally manufactured as a, a business aircraft business jet um, but it's a propeller driven twin engine and about a year and a half ago they converted one of those standard business jets into a drone and now they've since gone on because it was a proof of concept program that they did and it since went on and and they're they're building a dedicated 
drone based on that that airframe. But they literally took one that had your pilot seats, all your control panels, uh, controls, and your 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 passenger seats in the back. Stripped the whole thing out, put a computer system in, and went and flew it. Uh, and the video is available online, so it can be done. It is being done. Um, so it's only a matter of time before they, they move from the Piaggio Avantis or uh, the Diamond 42 twin-engine, you know, four-seater into ATRs, like, for example, that, that Stobart Airfly or 737s, that Air Contractors or Ryan Airfly. It's only a matter of time. Technology is there. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Listen, Oshin, if people want to have a look at some of the drones that you are flying at the moment, do you have any pictures on your website? Yes, yep, mm-hmm. there, there are, and they're linked to the, the manufacturer as well, where there should be a few uh, videos there also. All right, and uh, Green Aviation is available where on the web? It's uh, greenaviationuav.com. There you go. Green Aviation. Facebook page as well. GreenAviationUAV.com. Gotcha. Ushing Green from Green Aviation down in the County Offaly. Thanks so much for, for really blowing my mind. Thank you. No problem at all. Well, that's it for our drone special for this week. I hope it puts some ideas into your head. I, I know that when I'm off talking to my mates at the weekend and we talk about drones and all the kind of things you can do just relating some of the stuff that we found about in this podcast are going to look at me like I'm a crazy man but you and I know what's possible thank you so much for listening we've got a more regular Red Tech Radio show for you next week and do remember in the meantime you can get hourly updates on tech news along with daily newsletters from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra until next time for myself to Thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.